2: listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today on this fine day where we are together each and every day from 3 to 5, 3 to 5 p.m., And uh, it's always good to be with you. Today, I've got with me Pastor Steve Wilburn from Core Church Los Angeles. Pastor Steve, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show.
3: Man, Pastor Scott, so thankful to have me on
1: the show today. It's like, what a blessing to be here. You can hear uh, Pastor Steve's uh, broadcast right here in Los Angeles on KKLA. He's on at 5.30, so there's a break between our show, and then there's Greg Laurie, Pastor right. Greg Laurie. That's right. And then there's, uh, there's your show at 5.30 that people are listening to as they drive home.
3: That's right, and I, I tell Pastor Greg all the time, because he's like a dad to me. You know, I went to Pastor Greg's church in 1979. Me and my wife first got married, you know, in 1979. Uh, they let you do anything here in California. I mean, we got married in kindergarten. But anyway, <laughs> but we started going to his church in 1979. And so he's like a dad to me. And so love him dearly. But I do tell him, I said, you know, most people work, uh, you know, nine to five. And uh, and then, of course, they get out to their car. You know, they get it started, get their seatbelt on, make sure everything's good. Turn the radio on. It's about 515. And they say the average drive time is 45 minutes. So I said, boss, they get 15 minutes of you and they get all of me at
1: 5.30. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's true because when I leave here at 4.55 and I pack up and then I actually hear myself in the studio announce Greg Laurie's show coming up next on KKLA's Greg Laurie, by the time I'm out in my car, you're right, I get half of him and then I get all of yours by the time I get home. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. So... uh, (laughs) That's a great way to look at it. Well, thanks for being with me today. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today. Since since the last time I had you on, I don't, it was a few months ago. Yes, it's It's been a while. We don't live in the same world that we lived in as we did three or four months ago. No,
3: isn't it crazy? I mean, it's like we have crime off the hooks. We had just uh inflation
1: that is just completely unbearable we keep bragging that it's low right it's still four (laughs) percent it's just that it was so ridiculously high but it's four percent on the nine percent and on the other percent that we had before it's
3: crazy i'm I'm still trying to get used to walking out of the grocery store just going down to get a couple things for my wife in one bag and it's 40 bucks i mean just like how how is that even possible i mean (laughs) it's like i was shopping at walmart okay because i'm going cheap baby and it's like i was getting some stuff and they fed in one bag. It was like 48 bucks. And this people in front of me had this basket overflowing. And I'm thinking, and I told the guy, I said, Hey, if this is 48 bucks, I got to pray for you, brother. And he just started laughing. How do you afford that? Oh, you know, it's crazy. Uh,
1: how old are your kids? Well,
3: my kids are older now. and so we you're not have, taking them to
1: McDonald's anymore? No,
3: no. We have four kids, but we have 11 grandkids now.
1: <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Okay.
3: So anytime we go out, it's like, oh, my goodness, it's crazy. But, you know, my son comes up and the grandkids, and, you know, we always have them up on Monday and eating, and we go out for ice cream. And it's just amazing how much stuff costs.
1: It's crazy.
3: A piece of meat like 50 bucks right like, wait a second I'm not at you know Ruth Chris
1: steakhouse okay it's <laughs> like wait, 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 you mean I have to make this that's right. Yeah. Now, I was going to say, you know, you take your grandkids out. My kids, you know, well, let's go to McDonald's, which I want to avoid at all costs. However, yeah. sometimes you give in. But now it's 60 bucks or something if you get the whole meal with the fries and the drink. Forget that place. You know, you know, I never thought we'd come to the day when it was
3: the cheapest fast food that you can eat at is In-N-Out. I mean, I can roll in there. Yes, and you can. Double-double animal-style chopped chilies, whole grill, and fries and a drink for
1: under 10 bucks. I know. It's amazing. It's I It's cheaper all the- than McDonald's. It's cheaper than just about anything you know exactly think of how many burgers you think we just sold i bet we just sold a lot well i hope so you it's know like, they, it's like five forty-five for a double double if you don't no, even get the is. fries and the drink just if you want to be cheap that's oh, all you can just
3: roll in there and you can pound it i mean you can oh, get yeah. two double doubles i mean it's like this is like glory we're gonna have to go eat after the show <laughs> they, or, <laughs> yeah
1: we're gonna have to or they're going out of business exactly right? Right. somebody or that no i don't think they are they're they're expanding well you know that's uh, that's the fun part about uh, life. We can yeah. still uh, enjoy that kind of stuff, and I think the Lord wants us to enjoy the things that we can enjoy, even yeah. when there's things in our life that are not enjoyable. Yeah. So this is an interesting time, of course. You know, we just had an election yesterday, and you know, there's all kinds of punditry about it. I said on the show yesterday, I said. I'm curious to see if the abortion vote is the same as it was a year ago, because I think that in their heart of hearts, a lot of voters uh, still want to have their abortions. Yeah, and that's why you see it's why you see abortion winning you know, pro abortion, uh, whatever that vote is in. Even red states. We're seeing that in yeah. in Kentucky and other and I think that's still the same. I think that's where our heart is.
3: It is, and it's unfortunate, you know, and the Bible says uh, in Jeremiah, the heart of man is despitefully wicked and desperately sick. You know, who can understand it? Of course God goes on to say he understands it, he knows where we're yeah. at. But it's sad that when we look at the state of affairs, the border, the you know inflation you know gas prices you know all crime. of all, everything the like crime that's just completely off the hook and not you know penalizing the criminal but yet criminalizing the victim and we see all of this and there's a party that seems to be pro all of these things and yet we keep voting these people in and now it's because of abortion yeah. and i think to myself you know god is the the god of life and pro life you know he's the one that Established and she shaped us in our mother's womb. You know they they can find a heartbeat in a baby at four and a half weeks now, mm-hmm. and so it's it, we have the knowledge now. And you know, of course, when we went through COVID, it's like we have to listen to science. It's all about science. Whatever science says, unless science doesn't go with our narrative, right? And you know uh, that means that one half of one percent of all abortions are because of incest you know, or rape or what have you, that means that the other 99.5%, this is another form of birth control. And this is where our country is voting. So it's a sad, it's a sad state of affairs of where the decline of morality has gone in our country. And I'm saddened by this, you know? Uh, And again, I'm, I'm pro-life. You know, I have kids. I look in the, I can't imagine not having my children, you know? And Mm. And I I just look at the callousness of the heart of man. But it just kind of tells us exactly what God says we would be, you know, in the end times.
1: And I think it's all right to have a a clear view of what things are really like, where we're really at. Because I think from the standpoint of of being, of ministering to people, it's much easier to minister to people when you actually have an idea of where they're at, where their heart is at. Like, you know, I think during the covid so many people left the church a lot of people are back now you know yes. it's a lot of churches are kind of recovered but it's often not the same people no it's or, not it's, the same people yeah, at all and or it's people who are christians but their church closed you know yeah. a lot of churches didn't make it um but there's something about people who decided i know a lot of people listening you're in this camp right now because you call all the time and i know you're there you don't you haven't gone back to church and you either left church because you're discouraged with church but some of you left church because you're not too sure you believe in Jesus. Yeah. And or you you've decided that you don't believe in Jesus. You were only going to church because your mom always made you go or it was something cultural, but I find that it's better to be honest about that than to fake it and go to church. Yeah. Right? If you're not a believer, I'd rather you not go and just yeah. say I don't really believe that. That's that's true and that means we have a more authentic relationship yeah. and coming pastorally yeah. being authentic You know, really understanding where the culture is, it's, it's actually helpful.
3: I think in Matthew 13, Jesus kind of summed up. It's amazing how he could tell a parable. And of course, a parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And he tells this little story of the parable of the sower. And it really describes all 8 billion people on planet Earth because every single person on planet Earth is going to find themselves in one of these soils that he tells us in the parable of the sower. So, you know, just quickly, the parable of the sower is is a farmer. Okay, the sower is a farmer. And that farmer happens to be the Lord. The seed that he's throwing out is the truth of God's word. And so the sower, the farmer, the Lord himself is throwing out the word of God. And what soil are you? It's just what it comes down to. So which soil? So there's four soils. The first soil goes on the roadside and the birds come along. Well, he goes on and explains the parable. The birds is actually the evil one. It's the devil. He comes and scoops up the truth of God's word. So the first seed that went out goes out to people that don't want to hear the truth. They love darkness rather than light. They don't want to hear. They're just like, no, 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 I don't want to hear the truth. I don't talk about it. I don't want to talk about religion. So the, the enemy, the devil, he comes and just takes that word of truth out of those people's hearts immediately. And because they refuse the truth, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 11 says therefore God will let you believe what is false. The second seed fell on stony ground and the stony ground is like, it's those people have like, I had my come to Jesus moment but then they never go anywhere with it they don't do anything with it. Oh yeah, I did the Jesus thing, but that didn't work out. That The Jesus thing, it didn't work out. So you didn't allow the word of God to come into you and actually give you any kind of root. Mm-hmm. The third seed went upon the thorny bush. Okay, so you, you grew up, it's like it kind of believed at it first and everything and then the cares of this life or the problems in the world the inflation you know all these things that we just talked about wars around you know it's blowing up over in the middle east right now all of these things or just like i want more i want money i want this i'll do whatever it takes to get it so therefore you got choked out by the cares or the problems of the world and it was only the fourth seed that went upon good soil that actually took root and it went down and had fruit upwards, and that's the true believer. It's kind of odd to me that Jesus himself is sowing seed in the world, and 75% of the seed goes on soil that people are not going to follow him. Yeah. Which is kind of scary.
1: Yeah, it is scary. You know, what about the person who's listening, and they're going, well, you know, my seed didn't plant. You know, Jesus, uh, I prayed to him, and I didn't get what I want. uh, You know, or I've heard people tell me before, you know, Christianity just didn't work out for me. Yeah. Right. Like it's a yoga class or an exercise program. But that that I think is how it is portrayed very often. Right. I think that there is a responsibility for those of us who are believers and in churches to clarify the gospel, that this isn't about you. Yeah. This isn't, you know, like picking a political party or checking a box for something, that this is about the truth and explanation of why you're here and where you're going uh, and what what history is about. Well, unfortunately, you know,
3: there's, there's kind of an amazing statistic. Back in 1948 was one of the highest uh, church-attended times uh, of, the, of our nation. And, uh, and we, we matched that in the year 2000. And uh, but then in the year 2000, it started to decline, and it's declined. Now we're at the lowest church uh, attendance that we've ever had. Okay, so what what caused that? It's because in the year 2000, a lot of churches turned into a country club. It turned into the place of the hangout. It turned into where uh, you know we're we're just going to tell you what you want to hear. So we're no longer teaching you the truth of God's word. Like if you took what was being taught in the average church back in 1948, and you took what was being taught in the year 2000, all of a sudden in the year 2000, it's like, well, you're a champion. And we're here to tell you how wonderful you are. And like, of course, you're the whole bag of chips. You're cool ranch. You know, you're everything. We just love you. And Jesus loves you. And let me give you a bouquet of flowers. And it's like, the only thing that's true there is the fact that yes, Jesus does love you. But it's not because you're a champion. It's not because you're wonderful. It's not because you're the most beautiful person. It's because he died on the cross because he has this unconditional love for you. But the reality is that you are a horrible sinner, that you've done things that are wrong, that you've done things that are absolutely against what his will is. God has established what is right and wrong, and we broke his covenant. So how is God able to say what is truth? Because many people today will say there's no absolute truth. I'm like. Yes, there is. I'll give you an absolute truth. Two plus two is four. That's an absolute truth, okay? That's what it is, okay? But you don't want to believe that. You want to say whatever your truth is. But it's like God is the one that establishes what truth is. That's why Jesus said in John 17, 17, he says, I have come to you, and I want these people to be separated in the truth. Thy word is truth. And people have rejected God's word. They've rejected what he said. So until people can understand that, like, We have sinned before God. We have done what is wrong. Until they understand where we are, then the good news is not that good a news. See, you have to understand the bad news. The bad news is we will be eternally separated from God. The bad news is it's appointed for every man and woman to die once. And after this comes judgment. And then when you understand our plight and where we are and the position that we're in, then we understand how good God is and how gracious and merciful. That's what led me to Christ. This is the one verse that led me to Christ, Scott. It was uh, Luke twelve three, And Jesus said, he said, everything you've done in the dark is going to be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in the inner rooms is going to be proclaimed on the housetops of heaven one day. And when, I mean, I just sat there. And the person that shared that with me, I wasn't in church, I was at a kitchen counter in Upland, California. And they they're telling me about Jesus, and I'm thinking, when's this person gonna be done? I don't wanna hear about this. This is a waste of time. In fact, they sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher, like, what, wah, 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 wah. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't even listening. But when they said that verse, for whatever reason, I was all ears, and when that verse ended, I stopped listening, and I was sitting there thinking, and I'm like, oh my goodness, on the outside I looked like a nice guy. I was respectful to other people. I I looked like a nice guy. But I was had I had so much sin in my life. I I was Drinking. I was taking drugs. Could you imagine me on speed? Oh, that's a scary <laughs> thought. Anyway, <laughs> it's like, but, but it's like, I mean, I was at, having sex with women. I was just like, yeah, I mean, all of these things. I got a girl pregnant in high school. I mean, my life, I had to reach up to touch the bottom. I was stealing from my employer. All of these things that nobody else knew, but God knew mm. who I really was. And when I came to that realization that I have sinned, and I just thought to myself, I'm going to hell in a handbasket. And here, here's a guy that's never gone to church. And I realized that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And that's when I said, well, what about me? You know, I'm a sinner. I've done yeah. everything wrong. When I came to that realization, and it's like then I was shared with, that's why Jesus died for you.
1: This is the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Pastor Steve Wilburn. You know, Steve, when you're telling me that story, and I'm thinking about the hope that you have when you have the realization that. Sin is destroying your life it 's yes. separating you from God, yes, you know, and if you want to know what 's wrong in the world, sin destroys everything it touches so when that's you right. when you reject God and you decide to make decisions that are against what he says is right, whether you agree with it or not, whether you believe it, even if you 've never heard of it that's right you 're going to have destruction that 's right and if you 're wondering why we have so much destruction it 's because people have turned from god that 's the reason, and you know you can agree or disagree, but there is a reality ultimately, an ultimate truth so you you understood that, but then you had hope, and that's something, that's too, right. that I think that we, we often today preach a Jesus who is there to help you and a Jesus who wants to make you feel better, but we lose the, the depth of the hope we have in Christ because at the same time, we don't teach how lost we are in our sin. That's right. Right? That the hope that, when you just described what you were dealing with was sin, you just related to most people listening to this show. And probably yeah. everybody listening has at yeah. some point in their life or even today yeah. is dealing with that, those kinds of things. Yeah. And we live in a world today when we don't want to acknowledge that we have sin or that we've done anything wrong. Yeah. But the hope is understanding we've done something wrong. God knows about it. He sent Christ to pay the penalty for those things, that That's right. sense that we have that we owe something. Well, we do. Jesus paid it. That's a hope that I think is missing in our message a lot of the time.
3: It's totally missing in the message. And when you understand your plight and that you're absolutely hopeless, and that's what I realized at that kitchen counter, and then all of a sudden you hear what Jesus says. He says, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Rest. What? Rest? There's there's hope for someone like me. And that's what happened to me. And that's why I had a radical conversion. The Bible says that if you confess your sin before God and confess just means that you're agreeing with God, like, yes, I'm a dirtbag. Yes, I did what was wrong. And it's like, if you confess your sin before God, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness.
1: I was reading an article this morning. It was about the election yesterday, and you know, people are debating in the in the political world about abortion, how to speak on it. There's going to be a presidential debate tonight on the Republican side, or a vice presidential debate, or whatever it is, because it's a right. funny thing, right? But right. but that'll probably be an interesting conversation. Actually, is how do you deal with this issue? But the article I was reading was saying that part of the problem is is that if you you have to be persuasive, yeah. if you have to, if people are going to change their mind on this or say the trans issues or lots of different things. People have to acknowledge guilt. They have to acknowledge that I was wrong and we are so opposed to that today that we will fight for our wrong idea simply to avoid acknowledging that I got it wrong. Yeah. And that's a huge problem. It's a huge problem
3: because really it's a self-righteousness. It's that's like, right. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you take a microphone out here, I mean, we live in Southern California here, you go down to Santa Monica Pier and you go out with a microphone with a camera. It's amazing how many people want to get in front of the camera and you say, hi, I'm out here interviewing people. Are you a good person? At 98% of the people are going to say, yes, I'm a good person because they compare themselves with maybe some homeless person in the gutter, right. you know, that's like a total disaster, you know, but. God compares us to him, and when we become the self-righteous person, Jesus said, I did not come for the righteous. I've come for sinners to repent. Yeah. And you see, so if we're in that place of, oh, I'm a good person, and we think like maybe God grades on the curve, you know, like some, that good outweighs the bad. God doesn't grade on the curve. He says, everything you've said in the dark, Like people don't even know about, your mother doesn't know about, your best friend doesn't know about, all the secret things that you watch on the internet that no one else knows about. God says, I see everything you've done. I love what he says in uh, Psalm 139, he says, I've searched you and I've known you. And that word search comes from a Hebrew word that says, I've explored you. I've looked at you down inside, not just how you look on the outside. I've explored you. I've, I've penetrated down deep inside. I know exactly who you are. See, when I understand that about God, see, that doesn't give me warm fuzzies. Give me warm fuzzies. No, 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 no. That sends chills down my spine. Like, oh, God, you know that? You know my worst But yet you still love me? This is why I love preaching the gospel because I was such a dirtbag. It's like, I'm thinking to myself, Scott, if God could save me, he could save anybody. That's right. He could save anybody. So I can boldly, boldly proclaim the gospel to anyone. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. But you have to repent.
1: Yeah. You have to repent. That I think is the message with so many things that, and the, the graciousness that we have that from Christ that we can repent. And yes. he also knows that yes. he knows that we've repented and then we belong. You know, I That's think right. that a lot of people just want to fit in however they can today. Yep. So they go with the flow of whatever, but really you don't want to fit in. Really. You want to belong some way, exactly. somewhere. Right. And what's the best place to belong? Family of God. Family of God. Family of the creator of the universe. That's what you get to do.
3: Why do people hang out at clubs? Because you want that family. You want people to walk in. They know your name. They know what you have to drink. You know, you go into a restaurant. You want the, the same. You know, give me the same. You know, it's like when you can come into the body of Christ. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of the brethren. You know, it's like, and look, we have a huge online presence and everything. We have three services, all of these things, you know, so we do all the electronic stuff. We do all everything that we can social media wise. But you know what? If you're a believer, get to church. There's something about going to church and it's not just about you. It's not about just you. Okay. I'm at church here. Bless me now. It's like, no, 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 no. Like you have an opportunity to minister to someone else. That's right. You know, like, we we finally, we're back to our whole thing where, you know, announcement time, you know, it's like, hey, why don't you turn around and meet someone? Man, we got people getting up and walking all over the sanctuary. It's like, hey, how you doing? And it's like, people are hugging each other. It's like, people need people. And God wants us to minister to one another. Let me just challenge your listeners today. This Sunday at church, What are we, you know, it's like this Sunday at church, going to church with an attitude of like, who can I bless? Who can I just say hi to? Who can I just walk up to and say, hey, is there anything I can pray for you? About? Mm-hmm. You know, just be used of God.
1: Yeah, it matters so much to do that. It changes your whole church experience. Wherever you are, when you realize I'm going to bless someone else. It, right. it changes everything. We gotta take a break. Can you stay with me another segment? Yes, sir. Alright, so we're gonna come back. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I am joined by Pastor Steve Wilburn. He's the pastor of Core Church Los Angeles and also the host of Core Church or Core Truth Radio, which you can hear on 99.5 KKLA in Los Angeles at 530, shortly after our program is over. We'll come back and we'll try to uh, turn up the energy as soon as we come back on the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show.
2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. I am with
1: Pastor Steve Wilburn, the pastor of Core Church Los Angeles, and you hear him uh, daily on KKLA in Los Angeles on Core Truth Radio at 530 right here on the station. Uh, Pastor Steve, welcome back.
3: Hey. Good to be
1: back, man. Thank you for having me for another segment here. Well, it's always good to come back. It's like it's like in a game show. Can you come back tomorrow? <laughs> there you go. You know, if you stay for three segments, you get a your own version of the Pastor Scott Home Game. Oh, well, there you go. I'm you ready that, for that one. In a case of Turtle Wax. <laughs> hey, uh, you know what? A month ago. Yes this attack the hamas attack in israel happened and it's changed everything it is it has has changed almost every conversation that people are having and we're watching things on the news you know what was your initial response to that when you when this happened and you're kind of watching it you know how did you respond well uh
3: i am pro israel uh not because uh Israel in general is serving the Lord. They've still rejected Christ as the Messiah as a whole. They have, we have a
1: secular nation, like deliberately people don't realize that sometimes. Yeah.
3: It's a secular nation. And, uh, we have many Messianic Jews at our church. You know, our church is located on the west side of LA. We're surrounded by synagogues. You know, we have signs on our church in Hebrew, uh, because we're trying to minister to those people. Uh but it says in Psalm one twenty two, six, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yeah. And uh so that's our desire and we realize that that Israel is like a timepiece for God, and they play such a critical role in the end-time scenario. And so when you watch Israel, you're really watching uh, end-time scenarios unfold. So uh, a couple different thoughts. The first thought you asked was, what was my initial reaction? I, I couldn't believe it. 1,400 Jews slaughtered. That is the biggest slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust, yeah. since World War II. I mean, like, there has always been car bombings and a bomb here and this and that. and Terrorism you know, stuff. Yeah, Terrorism, we've had 9-11. Yeah. There's things. Everything's happened. That is the biggest onslaught since uh, World War II. Uh, the Jewish people have been the target of uh, being uh, pushed and shoved and uh, killed and murdered and everything. Uh, ever since their existence, they were created by God. With Abraham and his wife, Sarah, it's not like they were an existing people. He created them out of nothing. So here we have the Hebrew people all the way back to the Egyptian empire. You go through all five world-governing empires. You know, you have the Egyptian, uh, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. They all persecuted the Jews. And one of the promises that God made to Abraham was, Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. All those nations, whoever comes against the Jews, they no longer exist. But yet people still come back and they still attack and they still want them gone. So when I, the second thing that really came to my mind was uh, in Ezekiel 37. He asked Ezekiel, hey, so Ezekiel, what do you think of all this valley of dry bones here? And he goes, well, Lord, I don't know. I have no clue. I'm summarizing this, obviously. And he says, so this is my nation Israel and I'm going to bring them back into the land. Now, some people have said, "Oh, well, that was when they came back out of the Babylonian, you know, captivity. You know, when uh, they were taken over by their own rebellion and sin against God, and God allowed them to go into seventy years about Babylonian mm-hmm. captivity." Well, no, no, He's talking about the end times. There's three reasons why this is the end time scenario, not just oh these is when the people came back from the Babylonian right. Empire. No. It's like number one, he says, uh he says, I will put my spirit within you. Okay, so The Holy Spirit, yeah, it came upon certain people at moments, you know, David had the Holy Spirit come upon him, you know, and what have you, he even said in Psalm 51 after he sinned with Bathsheba that, you know, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So, yeah, there was a couple people in the Old Testament that were filled with the Holy Spirit, Uh, maybe Elijah when he called fire down on Mount Carmel, but that was just a onesie twosie thing. He says, I will put my spirit in you. Yeah, that didn't happen until after Jesus Christ, the God-man, came to this earth, the Messiah, Savior of the world. In the day of Pentecost, you know, uh, 50 days after he rose again from the dead. It's like when the Holy Spirit of God came upon who? The Jewish nation. It came upon Israel, Jerusalem, the city of God. Okay, so that's one reason. Number two, the context of, you know— uh, Ezekiel 37 is Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39, where twice it says this is the context of the last days. That's right. So this is going to happen in the last days. And then, of course, he also says in, in uh, uh, Ezekiel 37 that he will pull them from all nations. Okay, it wasn't just pulling them from Babylon. Okay, no, this is all nations. So if we remember history, okay, it's like in 70 AD, the last world gathering the empire, that was Rome. Rome came in and conquered Israel, completely drove out all of the Israelis, took every Hebrew out of Jerusalem, took them out of Israel, drove them out, and they were dispersed through the whole world in 70 A.D. They went without a country for 1,878 years. Then on May 14th, 1948, they were redeemed, their country. They become a nation once again. This is like... Insanity. What group of people is separated from their from their country for almost two thousand years and then regains their country? The interesting thing
1: is no group of people in all of history and they've done it twice.
3: They've done it twice. Yeah, it's never happened. Exactly. So this fulfills Ezekiel thirty seven 38 and 39, where again, twice in the context, again, man is the one who puts the chapter breaks. This was all flowing together before a man chopped it up and put chapter breaks, which I'm glad they did because we can find stuff now. But anyway, but twice he says, this is what's going to happen. And then he says, when that happens, Iran is going to come against Israel, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. their ancient name. Is Persia. That's right. And so Iran will come against, and they will put a hook into the jaw of Gog and Magog, okay? Chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. This is a country far north of Israel. Every Bible scholar on the planet says that Gog and Magog is modern-day Russia. Okay, so that's where it's going to happen. And it says they're going to put a hook into the jaw. What does that mean? Well, like, Russia doesn't really want to get involved with this. But isn't it ironic that here today, Iran, which is the main State-sponsored, you know, right. of terrorism, okay? And their main ally is who? Russia. That's right. And it's like, and, well, Russia could never come against Israel here, like it says in Ezekiel 38. They They're got their hands full in Ukraine. Yeah, well, whatever. The Bible says a hook goes into their jaw, and they're pulled into it. It's almost like they're reluctant. They don't want to get pulled into it. And so Iran, who has publicly said multiple times we want to destroy Israel. We want the Jews gone from the river to the sea. They want them gone completely. It's not like, oh, we want this land for the Palestinians. No, 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 no. We want right. all it's of nothing it. nothing to do with that. Right. We want you gone. Yeah. And so now we've got our military and all of this stuff. So people ask me, well, pastor, is what we're seeing, is this the fulfillment of Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39? Well,
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's, going to look just like this and I think that's something that people and I would say most most believers have not opened the book of Ezekiel or you've plowed through it if you've right. even made it through your Bible reading plan right. you know uh this is why we need to know our bible but I also think you know you talked about you know how this impacted the world you know when whenever Putin went into Ukraine impacted the world but it was different right. you know we didn't send carriers in no right we're sending no. money right no. uh whenever the uh, Azerbaijanis went into Artsakh and, and removed forcibly and violently Armenians a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. That hardly made the news. The Armenian community is angry that uh, no one's paying attention to that. Right. There's battles all around the world that no one pays attention Nobody to. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Jerusalem? Everybody cares. <laughs> Jerusalem about this. is the city of God. That's why. Every country in the world is that's impacted right. by this. And that should say something. And when you open up the Bible... And yeah. you see just what you said yeah. that there would be a hook into it. You know whether or not we're at that those days now, yeah. you can see how it would play out. Well, this is what we have to keep our eye on. We have to keep our eye on Iran.
3: Cuz they're right. they're like the major player in this thing cuz they're the one that kind of puts the hook into the jaw of Russia and everything, you know, getting involved. This is why it's so important. Why do you think President Biden sent two carrier groups over there. Mm-hmm. They just advertise now. They're sending nuclear subs in there. That's <laughs> okay. right. Okay. Why, like why this big show of force? Cause he's hoping this thing doesn't blow up because, right. because if you have all of these nations come against Israel, Israel has what you know as, cause you're pastor Scott, they have the Masada complex mm. and the Masada complex is, we're not going down again. The Masada complex is, if you've been to Israel, I've been there multiple times, and we're getting ready for our sixth trip here. But it's like when you go to Israel, you go out to Masada, and Masada was where when Rome invaded in 70 AD and completely ransacked Israel, tore their temple down, destroyed it, burned it to the ground. The Jews ran out to Masada, which was a uh, it's just basically a luxury, uh, you know, mansion that was built uh, for King Herod out there. But anyway, they go up there to the top. The only way to get up to the Masada is the Romans had to build a giant ramp. And when they got to the top of Masada, they all committed, all the Jews committed suicide because it's like we're not going to allow you to kill us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so now they're saying, look, there's not going to be a Holocaust again. That's right. You're not taking this down. We'll do whatever it takes. To fight herself. So, this is a major thing. Let's not forget Israel is a nuclear powered nation. They have an unbelievably strong military. They say that the military
1: of Israel is stronger than all militaries, man per man. That's right. You know, and I think that is something that people need to understand that. All this yep. chanting about the ceasefires and the two state solution yep. and all this stuff that we hear so often, yep. I, I find it interesting when you said, it, and Biden knows that and he does this and that. I yep. think that. Anybody who's a scholar, or a real diplomat, yeah. knows, hey, this is not North Korea. No. This isn't Ukraine. This isn't, you're not going to sit down and negotiate or hope that guy dies so the next guy won't be as crazy. Right. This is something that is completely uh, a global threat.
3: Right. Uh, and what's going to happen here is eventually this will come unglued. Now, that's right. Will that come and unglued this time? I don't know. Maybe And. In- Two weeks to now, it's completely. You still have your trip plans, so that's, you it, never know. Could exactly, be, you know, I'm, I'm planning on going in it. May. So, yeah. uh, but if this thing blows up, that's when God Himself comes back and He reveals Himself to His people. There is a massive revival in Israel. A hundred and forty-four thousand, twelve thousand from each of the twelve tribes of Israel will rise up. It's not Jehovah's Witnesses; it is born again Jews, and they evangelize the world, and the rapture happens in the midst of that. So there's a lot that believers need to be looking at here you know, can
1: you stay with me one more? Yes, you know, okay, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, we want to finish that conversation. This is the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Pastor Steve Wilburn. Core Church Los Angeles website for Core Church Los Angeles is corechurchla.org. Corechurchla.org. If you're looking for a church and you're on the west side, give it a look. Uh, Core Church LA. I love your church, by the way. It is just, it's wonderful. I've <laughs> been there. I've been there. It's That's a wonderful, right. <laughs> wonderful place. Uh, we'll be back as the, uh, Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned.
2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at dot com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. I'm with Pastor Steve Wilburn, the pastor of Core Church Los Angeles. And you can hear him on this station, on uh, Core Truth Radio. He's on a 530 on 99.5 KKLA in Los Angeles or your favorite radio app if you want to tune in You know, Pastor, we've been talking about uh, the craziness in our country, the craziness in the world with Israel. You know, I hear so many people say, you know, how is this happening and where did we lose it? And why do so many people hate Jews? And what is going on with these marches and the hatred that people have back and forth and people say it doesn't make any sense. But actually, as we've talked about, it makes perfect sense if you've read the Word of God. God did not leave us down here without a, a map of what is going to happen and why we have it it's the word of god it takes effort to get there and to understand that and if you've been listening and you're realizing and I like to I like to bring this up about Israel why do we care about Israel just when you think about the world socioeconomically Israel doesn't give us anything yeah right i mean they have there's great people who've come out of there. There's technologies. There's amazing things actually for a small country, but there's no oil. There's no oil imports. There's, they have some uh, crops. Okay. That matter to uh, people in the region and uh, your diamonds are cut there, but that can be done anywhere. They're not mined, you know? And yet the whole world cares every time about Israel. You know, why was there a Holocaust? Why is there all this battle over whose land it is that goes back centuries, millennia, actually? And you you should be asking that question at the right – why do we care? It's because this is how God has rigged it. This is how he has chosen it. You cannot avoid it. And I can't stress to you – and I know many of you listening – you might be tuned out on God because of politics or because of some bad thing that happened to you at church or something you heard about with church. And you know what? You might be right. Those things are are can be terrible things. But I want to ask you to push that aside for a minute, to realize that we're all in a a fallen world. And even the, your pastor, this pastor, pastors, we sin. We've done things that are wrong, right? That that there there is a struggle that we all have because of what we call sin. It just calls causes destruction but i want you to push aside the stuff that gets in the way and just consider what does the creator of the universe say in a book written thousands of years ago that's describing the world today that should that should cause each one of us to be extremely humbled well you know pastor scott it's like we have to understand god
3: the, the future is history to god he He's somehow outside of time. Look, our little finite mind cannot understand the infinite God, but he's outside of time. He's already seen it play out. So here's what God said 2,000 years ago. He says, now, this is what it's going to look like in 2,000 years, okay? So he says this in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. You think it's a little difficult right it's now? It's difficult. Okay, just yeah. saying, you know. For men... And women will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents. They'll be ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. 52% of all marriages are in divorce now. Mm -hmm. Okay, 52%. And what's the main cause? Irreconcilable differences. Let me explain what irreconcilable differences. That just means I'm not working on it anymore. I don't care. Okay, I I deserve better. That's what irreconcilable means. Okay, malicious, they're gossipers without self control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And did you get that last part? Rather than lovers of God. So when we abandon God, we abandon his word, we abandon the truth that we're to live by, we abandon the moral. Ground that God has established for humanity to live by. So, when you're the creator of the universe, imagine your phone. You know, I got an iPhone 14. So, if I pull it out and I'm going to call you, Scott, and I end up with uh, Pedro, you know, in Peru, okay, it's like, uh, who, what, what? Hello? It's like, see, this is a tool that I use to call who I want to call. If it starts calling people I don't want to call, then I'm chucking this thing in the toilet. What, mm-hmm. like, whatever, I'll get another phone. It's like, The creator of the universe, the one who makes our heart beat in our chest without batteries says, this is how you're going to live. This is the rules of operation. Oh, you don't want to do that. Okay, well, there's consequences. There's consequences to sin. And when we rebel against God and we rebel against everything that we, that he establishes for us, then of course, there's going to be punishment for that. And that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing, we're being punished because, because it's like our economy is gone. The crime is out of control. Everything, the world is at war. The Middle East is blowing up in front of our face. And it's just like, gee, I wonder why. Well, we've abandoned God. That's why.
1: And that happens even just in a personal level, right? So yeah. you might be saying, yeah, all this Israel and the world, but my life is at war right now. Yeah. I can't even pay attention to the news because there's so much going on in my life that, right. that there is war, there's that's an eternal right. battle. What do we do about that? To that listener right now who is saying, man, there is so much chaos even in my own life. How do I respond? What's my step? What do I do?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, Jesus said, come to me come to me. I love you. I love what he said in, in John sixteen thirty three. he says, these things I've spoken to you that in me, you might have peace in the world. You're going to have tribulation. Oh yeah. 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 That's to say the least you're going to have hurricanes. It's going to be unbelievable wars, everything he says, but be of good courage. I've overcome the world. So we have to come back to Christ and, and it, it, it's, we don't come to him on our terms. We have to come to him on his terms. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all done things that are wrong. Now, look, some sin more than others. I mean, I tell people like some people do have a little bit of sin. I personally, I had a ton of sin. But whatever that level of sin is, we have to come to him. The Bible says repent. And repent means it's a, it's a biblical term that means stop going the direction you're going. And change directions. Okay, so so in a biblical sense, it's stop going the way you want to go. Stop going the way you want to live and follow me. That's why Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. Because if you choose to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. So like, what does that even mean? It's like an oxymoron. No, if you choose to save your aspirations, your desires, what you want to do in life, you will lose your life. But if you lose your aspirations, you lose your desires for mine. Then you will find your life. Mm-hmm. So we have to say, God, I I need to stop going my way. I want to go your way. That's what repentance means. So if you're willing to say, God. I, I'm sorry for doing the things that I know that are wrong. Because we all know what's wrong. Do you have to read in the Bible, thou shalt not steal? Don't right. you kind of already know you shouldn't be stealing from your employer the stuff yeah. that you're taking? Okay. So we already know that because he wrote his, his word upon the fleshly tablets of our hearts. So we have to say, we have to be willing to say, God, I'm sorry. And if you're willing to say you're sorry, God is willing to listen to you. Yes. If you're not willing to say you're sorry, then God's not going to listen to you. See, you can pray all day long. You can have your come to Jesus moment. But if you're not willing to turn from your sin, then it doesn't really matter. You know, but if you're willing to say, God, you know what? I want to do what's right. I I want my sin forgiven. I want to go to heaven. I mean, I don't know where this world's going to go, but I know ultimately that you hold tomorrow because that's what God does. He holds our tomorrow. He holds our eternity. He holds everything. The Bible is a treasure chest of promises for you and for me. And if you want to come and say, look, Lord, I I want to do it your way, man, God is like, he's all ears. Because the reason he warns us, the reason he tells us that it's appointed for a man and woman to die once and after this comes judgment, the reason he tells you that is because he wants you to repent and he wants you to get right with him. That's right. So if there's anyone that wants to get right with the Lord right now, you say, Pastor, I want my sin forgiven. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. If that's your desire and you're you're willing to say, look, I'm sorry for my sin, God will work with you. Man, you could have 10 things you're doing wrong, but he'll work with you. But if that's you right now, you can pray this prayer. So pray this, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried in a grave, but I believe you rose again. Come inside of me. Help me to walk with you. Be my Lord, my God, my Savior, and my friend. And fill me with your Holy Spirit.
1: In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, uh, thank you, Pastor Steve. Uh, Don't keep it to yourself. You know, uh, you can write me, Pastor Scott, at kkla.com. You can uh, check in with Pastor Steve at corechurchla.org. That's the website. He's the pastor of Court Church Los Angeles, corechurchla.org. You can also hear Pastor Steve on Core Truth Radio at 530 on 99.5 KKLA. Pastor Steve, thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me, Pastor Scott. All right. God bless you, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening. We'll be back